Hello and welcome to this Phillies post-mortem edition of the Powder Blue podcast. Frank Close here with Jeff Mosher and Jeff, they had a winning season. Uh, Yay! <laughs> I, I, I would say I don't know what to say, but you know, I felt like the last few weeks and and of course, Jeff's been busy with the birds. I've been busy teaching, so we've been um, we haven't talked to you in a while. But uh, you know, I ran out of things to say, Jeff. Like you, you know, going down the stretch when the Phillies would, you know, win six in a row, and then they would just decide not to show up for a series or two. Like I, I just, I just ran out of things to say, Jeff. I think we everything you know that happened in the last two weeks of the season are things we talked about potentially happening all year long, which was the, the and you hit this on the head more than even I did uh, around the middle of the season. You felt that this team, the Phillies were, were going to j- do just enough to hang around and hang around because the division was that bad. And they did, they hung around and it would really be about in late September. Do they have the ability to win games that they absolutely need to win? Um, and then, you know, you saw the Mets, series they took two out of three then you could play the orioles you lose one of those games you went and played the, um uh the pirates you lost the the last game of the series and like you know and then of course you go to the braves you got a chance and you get swept so that there there's where it was i mean the, the last three weeks of the season and we really go back before that right when you lost uh two out of th- three out of four to the rockies and um arizona that really that, hurt that arizona, arizona series was a big was arguably the the biggest flop of the season. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, they lost two out of three to the Marlins at the uh, the start of the month. So that's the Phillies in a nutshell. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that we'll get into about why they they lost these games. And I know it's very easy to be frustrated and say these are teams you should have beat. And yes, they should have. But there's a reason why the the Phillies did not beat these teams. It wasn't to me. It's not that they're just a bunch of chokers. It's just that they're really not that more talented their roster is not that much better than some of the teams that they were playing and they did hit some some road bumps at the times that they were playing these teams that that sort of neutralized any advantage that they would have and they didn't come through you know at the end of the day (laughs) being being on the air just like i said i ran out of things to say it was just kind of like are they going to win these games or are they not like like I, i didn't know what else i could possibly say now Certainly down the stretch, the Phillies decided that a bullpen game every five days was better than Vince Velasquez. I, I was actually kind of shocked that they would even just just let him go. I mean, he, Vince Velasquez seemed to be the guy that would never, ever, ever, ever go away. And uh, right. But the Phillies seem to actually uh, realize that they're, they're, they're better off without him. And they decided along the way they're better off with Chase Anderson. I was surprised they finally made those moves. I just felt like they were hanging on to everybody afraid to lose anybody along the way, but um, at least there was that, you know, but I will say this, going back to the trade deadline, I mean, you know, the Phillies did make that trade with, with the Rangers. That was the big move, right? So they end up getting two starts out of Hans Kraus, who, who's clearly rushed to the major leagues, but at least he's, you know, I I look at him. I thought I saw a little something and, and Hey, I think he still got the better. He has potential to be better than Spencer Howard. Who did not pitch well for the Rangers at all? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, and then, of course, Kyle Gibson was okay. I mean, Kyle Gibson was not brought in to be an ace. Kyle Gibson was brought in to be a, you know, a middle of the road r- rotation starter, and he he kind of did that. And then, um, and then you got uh, 
Uh, Ian Kennedy, who, of course, had his lumps. I mean, he's he's old in baseball years. So, you know, you, he's, he kind of did what you thought he would do. But, uh, you know, we, we we saw that the Phillies didn't go beyond that. And, you know, that's that trade fell apart for Tyler Anderson. I think if they made that trade also, like things would have been a lot better uh, down the stretch because you didn't need to do the bullpen every game. And um, I, <laughs> that might be the one thing that didn't happen. And they added no offensive pieces uh, at the July 31st trade deadline. So I do want to say this. Mm-hmm. July 31st, you didn't know you needed a first baseman, right? Reese Hoskins was not hurt yet. Yeah, that really hurt them. You I, really yeah. saw just how much missing the August waiver trade deadline which is not a thing anymore. You have to have everything done with two months to go. Right. Missing that, that waiver opportunity cost the Phillies, the ability to add another starter. Sure. When Zach Eflin went down and it cost them the ability to add another first baseman. No doubt about it. The, the new rule hurt them in that regard. Yeah. Oh, I can't call it a new rule. It's been what, three years now that, well, that, well this the, is really the first regular season. It's actually happened. Because oh, I guess it, was it, supposed yeah, to, it was supposed it, yeah. to start last year and then last year in a 60 game season you just didn't notice that it didn't happen because yeah you know the trade deadline was august 31st but uh but i think that's something worth noting in case they didn't figure it out before like uh, the teams that that really hung in there like the braves they they added more outfielders and they you know they added three outfielders mm-hmm. <laughs> they added Is- rosario they added peterson so they added uh solaire right yep. so and magically, unbelievably, all of them actually played fairly well uh, when when and then, of course, Austin Riley took off this year. But who would have thought that that would happen? Because Solaire was playing horribly when he was with the Royals. And then all of a yep. sudden he goes to the Braves and he's batting lead off and he's getting on base and he's hitting home runs again. Just, uh, you know, that's such a Braves like thing to happen. So, so, I mean, the Phillies, they didn't have any offensive piece, which which would except for Freddie Galvis who oh, was yeah, hurt was for say, the first month. On. Right. So, I mean, yeah, Freddie Galvis. Galvis was helpful. And, and actually, I wouldn't mind seeing him back as a bench bat next year because he can kind of plug in here and there. But but really, like they, that's that's kind of what killed them. I mean, this, the offense just had the ability to go flat and, and you know, Reese Hoskins. All right. So what, what we let, think that'll naturally, uh, you know, um, make us make us wonder about him. But. Reese Hoskins being out, think about what that meant in relation to, to Bryce Harper. Now, Bryce Harper goes on that absolute tear without mm-hmm. Hoskins behind him. Mm-hmm. But by the end, you know, when when uh, the Braves were facing Bryce Harper at the end without Hoskins behind, they had no incentive to throw him a pitch to hit. That is correct. That is absolutely true. And I feel like the Reese Hoskins absence there or being out really kind of um, illustrated the, the biggest issues facing the Phillies going into the offseason because we saw how difficult it can be at times for the Phillies to win and play good offensive baseball with Reese Hoskins in the lineup for other reasons, like defensive reasons and things. But then we also saw how difficult it was for their lineup to to really keep pace with other teams when he was out of the lineup. So my bigger takeaway was that clearly, and I don't think anybody's going to be surprised by this, clearly the, the Phillies need a bat, uh, a prolific bat with Harper in the lineup. But ideally, if we could actually live in an ideal world, you would love this bat to also fit in to the team's plans defensively as well and play, whether it's first base or third base, whatever, just not be a liability just because you're adding a strength. You don't want to have to add a liability in another area. I would like two things to be true. You get a a guy who can hit equal or comparable to Reese Hoskins, maybe better, maybe a little worse, but also can be in the field and 
field ground balls, um, you know, at first base cleanly for outs. You know, this was also a, a year of trickle down effects. You know, I, the, the bullpen games that meant that, that your key relievers weren't often available the next day. And then you lose those games. Um, you know, Brad Miller as a bench player had a decent enough season, but ideally Brad Miller is not playing so much first base. He is platooning with Andrew McCutcheon in left field who, right. who had splits that, you know, McCutcheon was hitting the cover off the ball against lefties, but not hitting against righties. Miller could have played some left field against some of those righties, tough, tough righties, and, and they could have gotten a better left field. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is, this just seemed to be the season of, of trickle down effect there. And, and of course, Hoskins absence to trickles down to Harper, who still, uh, by the way, you, is, he, is he the MVP of this league? What do you think? I don't think he's going to win it now, but I mean, he certainly was an MVP player, a caliber player. So, I mean, I guess it'll come down to him. It'll come down to um, Tatis. I would imagine it's, I think he's, he's out get, of it. Uh, he Soto, of it? He's still Soto, out of hitting like 35, right? Yeah. His injury kind of, I think, knocked him out. I mean, in terms of longevity. Right. But he's probably up against Juan Soto, he's, who is his replacement in, in Washington. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's up against Austin Riley. He's getting some attention there. So you, you wow, mentioned what a strange Austin. year. Who would have thought yeah. going into the year um, that those would have been the MVP candidates? I get There really isn't uh you know, I know Juan Soto probably had the best season of anyone, but he's on such a bad team that it's hard to give a. I, I can't remember the last time an MVP came from a team that lousy, right? Was yeah. It, was it I Mike mean, Trout? I don't know. <laughs> well, here's the here's the funny thing. You know, the Phillies potentially have somebody in the top three of MVP and Cy Young, right. and don't make the playoffs. That is, uh, that's pretty much the Phillies in a nutshell there. <laughs> so then, then, then it brings us naturally. Then we got to talk about how they're going to actually go forward and and. And in the wake of the season, I mean, I clearly you wasted a really good season by as I always say really good is it's not enough. Right. Talk, talk about Bryce Harper's season. You mm-hmm. also wasted a very strong season from Zach Wheeler. So how many times can you just throw those types of seasons away? I mean, that's that's the really tough thing here, because you have these guys for their prime and are they going to win with them in their prime? But the Phillies seem to have bigger problems and. You know, so Matt Gelb of The Athletic, if you haven't read this, I highly recommend you read it. Uh, grab a subscription and, and keep up with, with Matt Gelb, who certainly knows this organization inside out and is really able to get in there. But uh, this is, uh, he writes on a major organizational issue. In fact, the headline calls it a dysfunctional culture in the minors. Now, I'm going to read a couple excerpts out of this to just just to give you the overview before you can go read it yourself. But Uh, It says this, it says multiple members of the organization described a toxic culture in player development. There was backstabbing and browbeating. There were not just mixed messages, but messages that were designed to mute certain employees. There was working for credit and credit only, and those who fell into job preservation mode. There were people, both tenured and newer employees, who no longer felt empowered to coach. Player development blamed scouting for a lack of talent. And scoutingly blamed player development for a lack of progression. Brian Manitti, who was fired in August, was in charge of both departments. The players were caught in it, cogs in an organization that could not articulate an actual player development philosophy. And you know, just just to 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 just quickly summarize some of the other things there. You know, the Phillies they brought in drivelining to be sort of their organizational hitting voice and. 
it sounds like you had people in the organization on board with driveline, some that were anti-driveline, some that pushed back against that philosophy, some that just went along with it and didn't believe it. And then you had players getting independent hitting coaches. Like this, this just sounds like a lot. you knew when, when Dave Dombrowski fired Minetti, who was an assistant general manager, he mm-hmm. fired uh, Josh Bonifay, director of player development mm-hmm. and uh, Scott Profrock, assistant GM, right? So those are three major pieces in this Phillies organization. You, you figured more heads would roll uh, as we go. In fact, uh, we learned yesterday that Joe Dillon, the major league hitting coach, was yep. let go. And that was actually surprising to me, Jeff, uh, that that Dylan, who was sort of handpicked by Girardi, right, would be let go. But it, it's, it's probably all connected, right? I mean, they, they've got to figure out organizationally what the heck they are. Yeah, I, you know, because a lot of this is particulars that the common fan and even myself may not know about. You know, I, I find it weird to kind of outsource your your franchise to a hitting company driveline. Um, but maybe that's kind of the invoke the Vogue thing to do now. And I don't didn't know that, but I think no matter what you do, you have to have buy-in from the people underneath you top to bottom. I'm not saying everybody has to agree a hundred percent, but you have to present your case for what you want to do and then know who's on board with you. And if there's somebody that just does not buy in is not completely a part of it and is going to you know, preach behind your back antithetical theories and tell you to go get your own hitting coach or do, do you do things that the organization isn't preaching? That's not good. So um, while it, it does, I, I have every reason to believe that Matt Gelb's information is correct. And I think the, the, the hitting that you've seen over the last few years can back that there is a, a dysfunctional approach here. I, that's my number one goal for Dombrowski to continue to clean the house and put in the people that he believes will be successful. That doesn't mean they will be successful, but you can't go anywhere unless you have an organization that is cohesive and pulling in the same direction. You know, I got to wonder, wonder what it's like for the psyche of some of these players, right? For, we, we keep talking about how Adam Hastley is not figuring it out and Mickey Moniak hasn't figured it out. And Alec Bohm has this sophomore slump where he just looks lost. At, right. Dee-dee you you got to wonder like, What's in the mind of these guys? Like they, they as players have probably heard all kinds of, of mixed messages along the way. No wonder they're all screwed up. I mean, I, I mean, right. there's, there's, there's still talent there. I mean, I feel like as long as it's taking, uh, there are still people in the Phillies organization that believe in Mickey Moniak. A lot of them believe in Alec Bohm. Now I've, I've, I've made the case that he should be a left fielder or something, but, um, but it, it, it seems to speak that the Phillies, I guess when they get it, the new Phillies brass see something in them and they feel like there's still a chance to get it right. With Alec Bohm? With Alec Bohm, with Mickey Moniak. I I wouldn't give up on Bohm after one year, too. I would would want my pieces to be in place first, right? You have to follow a template here. You've got to get your pieces in place. You have the the organizational buy-in and then let that trickle down to the players. Okay. And, And usually players are pretty resilient with this. I mean, they're very accustomed to regime changes to firings hirings things going on behind the scenes they're usually willing to buy in as long as everybody is pulling in the same direction all right it's it you know we're all humans right and baseball players too there's, there's sort of a crowd following or group think impact that i've always seen among athletes that if the top and the leaders and everybody is kind of on board and there's no kind of heckling or arguing or or stuff you always have skeptics but at least you'll want to get on board a little bit easier when you know the organization has a plan and a blueprint and lays it out for you. So that is, 
number one. And I, I why would you give up on Alec Bohm at this point? He, first of all, trying to get rid of him for something at the lowest point is not very good. Just like we can have that discussion about Aaron Nola. About and we will. Not, yes, I'm sure we will. Um, but so, I mean, you, I, I understand that people are going to think that Alec Bohm is probably Scott Kingery 2.0, but I don't think you can take that. that <laughs> hey, I think Scott Kingery is probably... His, think about his head in the mix of all this, right? Well, that, I mean, yeah, you mentioned those names, and that was the first name I thought of. That guy's probably been screwed up three ways till Sunday with uh, as many different organizational approaches that were going on while he was here. So do you have confidence that Dave Dombrowski can get this right, at least in the greater picture of the organization? It's not that I'm not confident, Frank. I just don't know. You know, I know that people like to hear either yes or no and strong takes, but I, the reality is I don't know. You know, I would, I've, I've seen um, regimes with experience come in and try to establish something and it doesn't work. And I've seen the opposite, you know, I mean, so nobody would have said, do you, if you would have said, do you have confidence in Gabe Kapler going out to the giants and being manager of the year and finishing 30 games over 500, who would have said, yes, not many people. Right. I, I have, I'm, I'm happy that this is being run by someone who has been a general manager, who has succeeded, who has a good resume that Dave Dombrowski has, right? But I felt that same confidence and optimism when the Phillies hired Joe Girardi because I knew he had that experience. He had a championship pedigree and that he had a record and a resume that says he has succeeded, so he should have a plan. And while I don't blame like everything on Joe Girardi, there were some times during the season I thought, my God, I never see him – make these kind of weird decisions like, or have these things happen in that in, in New York or, or Florida where, where he was before, but they happened. So I, I'm going to wait and see. I have to hope. That so how about, how about this? No, mm-hmm. I, I, I think, I think Dombrowski, as you said, has that pedigree. Could it have been that both he and Girardi signed up and were like, Oh shoot. <laughs> like this is, Buyer's this remorse? is way worse than, I mean, if, if if what everything that Gelb has is true, like they they might not have known it was that bad. I mean, you know, for 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 me, you know, sitting here in this chair, and you know, and, and let's face it too, like like the media access is like next to nothing right now. So like you mm-hmm. know, like I I couldn't see any problems with Joe Dillon from where I was. So like I mean, I didn't even you know, right. <laughs> you, you follow what I'm you? saying? How would but, you yeah, know? Right. Yeah. So so but. But it's it's almost like I, when Dombrowski came in, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, okay, well, he has to he has to figure out, uh, you know, he comes in, in in December, right? You know, some of the decisions were made for him. Vince Velasquez resigned among them, right? Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, well, he's got to get through a lot of this, and he can reevaluate the players on the roster. But he's got to re- reevaluate a whole lot more than this. And I get the impression from many different places that Joe Girardi has been a big voice in working with Dombrowski to figure out the problem. So I hope so. So, you know, while you could criticize some moves on the field for Girardi and, and doing so would be warranted. Right. And, and by the way, I don't think any manager has ever has a perfect season. Right. So. Right. Right. He's Look, push I, the wrong... I hope that's the case. I hope that Girardi and Dabrowski and Sam fold are all working in tandem in concert, getting everybody on, on board. And I hope that John Middleton is allowing that to has the owner. He's being informed but he's not trying to uh, impose anything. He's literally a person at the table listening to what's going on and saying, okay, this is what you want to do. 
you guys have deserved based on what you've done elsewhere you've earned the right to kind of steer this this program back and to and to be fair it's it's only incremental but they did make progress they finished with a winning record that trade wound up being a decent trade i mean at least for the moment for the Phillies. It I think for work, the future too, to be honest. I think you. so too, but you just never know. But I'm saying it's, they gave up nothing and they got a guys that, that tried to help them. And, and, and some of them who, you know, Gibson did a decent job. Ranger Suarez being moved into the rotation. Something you and I have talked about. My guy. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's our baby, right? Yeah. Him, like, we've talked about him so much for over the last year and a half, to two years that wound up being a, a good thing. So those were decisions that were collectively made between this fold and Girardi and Dabrowski regime. So hopefully John Middleton says, all right, I feel like they have a lot of moves to make, but at the same time, you remember when Pat Gillick came in and said, you know what? We five wins. I remember Pat Gillick saying, I've just got to get this team five more victories. So you, you go for the Phillies 82 and 80, right? If they went from 82 and 80 to 87 and 75, right? All of a sudden you're 12, you're feeling better and i do believe that those that little triumvirate there of fold dombrowski and girardi can have an off season where they do make a lot of significant moves that maybe people won't love but that will be better for the team in the long haul okay so you 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 made a uh, perfect point for my next point so you said moves that people won't love but are right for the organization now i got a lot of flack on twitter asking the question after nola's last start was that his last start as a Philly? Now, let me run through my rationale because people out there sometimes think that if I say you trade somebody, it means, oh, he stinks, get rid of him. Like, well, we have these other holes. Why would we get rid of him? And given, like, obviously, if you trade a player, you're trading it for value, right? So, so here's my thought. And we've talked about this before, right? Who's, who are the movable pieces that bring back value in return? And you can sort of maneuver a way forward. Now, Aaron Nola, somebody like him, one guaranteed year left on his deal with a player option for the following year, right? That's kind of the optimal time to trade somebody, right? Because the other team acquiring him, if there's any question, like, first of all, I don't think Aaron Nola's value is that diminished from this season. I know it wasn't his best season. I think he still has value to other teams. Let's face it, the San Diego Padres, they signed Vince Velasquez and Jake Arietta while they were on baseball life support and they gave mm-hmm. them absolutely nothing, right? Like mm-hmm. teams, if, if teams are that desperate, they would love to have Aaron Nola, right? Am I wrong? I think that um, you're correct in saying that there would be a market. It, you know, he didn't have the worst year ever. 463 right. is not Aaron Nola, but yeah, I mean, there are, of course, 31 team, other teams, or is it 31, 30? How many teams are there in there? 30, 30, 30 total. So 29, 29 other teams. other teams would definitely have Aaron Nola if he was a, a free agent and you had the ability to sign him. Yes. Right. So so I so here's just my thought process. He's somebody you can trade. And if you trade him, yes, you have to replace him in your rotation. Now, right. if the Phillies are able to do so in another deal, if they're able to do so in free agency, now we, we remember that, and I've said this a lot about Dombrowski. He seems to, to know which guys to get that are under the radar that, that end up performing. So, uh, you know, I can see the Phillies being able to get another starter mm-hmm. and also bringing back some other pieces that might help them in other ways. Like, I, you know, uh, and it's not the popular trade, right? Because right. there's a lot of people that love Aaron Nola. But if at the end of the day, it gets the Phillies to the playoffs, 
their beloved Aranola isn't there, like it's it's not the end of the world. I think that it sounds anything, like your point is that maybe other than Bryce Harper, nobody should be untouchable because this team you can deal but still add and strengthen. I, I and if that's the point you're trying to make, I, I I I agree with you. I understand the point also that this is while he does have some value it's not the most value but the 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 person has to understand if he had had a really good year then you wouldn't want to trade him because the contract's good and you'd be you want to keep good pitchers so i see both sides of it but i I probably lean more toward you where if you got something where you felt you were getting very strong prospects um or a player that would be a really good deal um then yeah you could jump on that and you're you can bring in another pitcher, which is not easy, but you'll have money, right? Because Andrew McCutcheon's probably not going to be back. And uh, who else and is McCutcheon, coming off the books? Her, So you have Andrew McCutcheon. You you have uh, Odubel Herrera. Herrera. You have yeah. Hector Neris, who I wouldn't mm. mind them resigning, by the way. Oh, come on. I liked his I liked his middle middle of the game role that he had this year. Uh, but but he's a free agent. Archie Bradley's a free agent, right? You right. know, you start adding up all this money. That's a lot of money that's that's coming off the books that sure. they have wiggle room. Now, 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 here's the thing about Nola too. If you trade him, mm-hmm. you freed up fifteen million dollars too. So if you if you do have a good replacement, right in the rotation, then that's also another resource you could allocate somewhere else, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the Phillies, as we we frequently said, they've got a lot of holes, right? So right. So how are you going to fill all these positions? They need to get they need to get a center fielder that's like a a real center fielder. <laughs> That's not a liability. So, so to, to me, center field, uh, shortstop, third base. I'm willing to, I must say, I'm willing, like I, like I make the decisions. I'm willing to see what they can do internally about left field. Like I would, I would be totally cool if the Phillies got a third baseman and a center fielder and a shortstop. And they said, you know, uh, Alec Bohm's our left fielder, uh, uh, you know, or we'll go to camp and, and Mickey Moniak and Alec Bohm are going to compete. You know, I think there's ways to, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to work this out here. Uh, did Didi get a one or a two year deal? Two year deal, but so how do you? What do you do? I mean, if you could move on from Didi, I think that would be ideal. But I just don't. don't here's here's the thing. Here's the thing taken? about Didi. That injury, that pseudo gout. We don't really know if it was that injury that really made him so bad. I I, I hate to say it because he was so good last year. Mm-hmm. But if that pseudo gout is a a thing that's going to mess up his twenty twenty two as well, well, you got to find somebody. I mean, I think that you're just at that point. Uh, you know, I've, I I don't know enough about pseudo gout to know if if he's got a chance to to recover from that. But I mean, it sounds like this is something that's going to hobble him forever. Right. So at the yeah, very least, it ideal. sounds like you gotta you gotta you gotta play him less, right? So right, right. Um, Segura. I mean, could you do you possibly look to to move Segura? If see, I think Segura is a nice player, but I think he's overpaid. So I don't I think somebody's going to trade for him to pay him $15 million. I think they'll trade for Segura if he's making what Cesar Hernandez does, which is like eight, seven, eight. Right. Well, you, you know? can pick up some of the money and still save you yourself right. I money mean, and I, pick up some of the money. I, I'd split Segura's deal with somebody. You know? Everything's on the table for me if, if the deal's right. You know, I'm right. not, I'm not, I think the one problem is you, you get, people get married to their players and then they just think, oh, you know, like like back in the day, the thinking was, oh, we, we can't trade for Mike Piazza. We have Mike Lieberthal. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, come on, if you, if you get better, you get better. Right. And this would be kind of the anti um, Nola approach in which, you know, the, I mean, Segura had a 290 average, 350 on base, if I'm not mistaken, 58 RBIs, 14. I mean, a good year, 76 runs scored. So you could you could find a team looking for that and it's for its in, middle infield. 
And then maybe you, maybe you go into the year trying, if you get a good shortstop, you can try DD at second base, or you could, you know, leave the window cracked for Bryson Stott to maybe claim second base. You know, yeah, I mean, that's what I was kind of have my eye. I know it's, it's a little early for that conversation, but yeah, yeah. Stott, I mean, Stott looked good. Uh, Stott, Stott could assume everybody I talked to still thinks that he'll be a second baseman long-term and not mm-hmm. a shortstop, but you know, if, if, I don't know. See, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways you could go here. So, you know, it depends on too, what, what, what Dombrowski finds out. I mean, if, if, if there's teams that like your players and they're willing to give you something for them, you, you, you see if the deal's worth it. I mean, that's, that's the key to me is you put everybody, you know, up except for Bryce, um, you, you put everybody out there and say, you know, what are you willing to give? And if there's a, a really good deal on the table, you got to be able to, especially one that can maybe, help you replenish your farm system, but also get a player, a serviceable player. You got to do that. And you got some, you got some insight into how Dombrowski thinks with that Spencer Howard trade, right? You know, he's, mm-hmm. he kind of said, we'll only trade him if we get somebody with, with, with a uh, long-term value in the deal. And, right. and so they got a starting pitcher, which is under contract for next year. So the Phillies plugged one of their rotation holes for next year. Mm-hmm. And they, they also got Hans Krause, who I still think could be better than Spencer Howard in the long term, which is amazing. Right. What are the what are the who are the free agent pitchers this year besides uh, Scherzer? Well, there's 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 a lot of like if you wanted to look at, at the overall list, um, I feel like there's a lot of guys that are like veteran middle mm-hmm. of the road type of 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 starters, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, do you, do you, do you like, think you can, can bring in Burrios somebody from, from the twins? Who? I'm sorry. Jose Barrios. Could, okay. I know he's not a free agent, but could he be had in a trade as they maybe. have to maybe rebuild? I mean, the twin, the twins need to reimagine, but you know, I'm just, I'm just running through, uh, mm-hmm. you know, some of the names here that, that might be um, starters that are now Robbie Ray, who I wanted the Phillies to sign last year. If you remember, I do, uh, you know, could win the Cy Young. Um uh, you know, he ended up uh, he ended up dominating for the Blue Jays, uh, but you know. By the way, if they didn't sign Vince Velasquez for four million dollars, then maybe you sign uh, Robbie Ray for eight instead of Matt Moore. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I won't keep. But but anyway, the, the Robbie Ray. Taiwan uh, will be uh, the guy who had pitched for the Mets this year. Uh, who pitched, I know he had a, not the same second half, but he had I think a great he still half. got one more year there. Oh, I thought he only signed a one. Yeah, okay, two year deal. So, but here's something name like Chris Archer. Is he somebody you take a shot on? Mm, maybe. Maybe. You know, that's, that's an, that's a, uh, not excited by that. Yeah. But, but he's somebody, uh, Corey Kluber, um, free agent again, somebody who, you know, these, these are guys that have had some success and had some injuries too, but then maybe they could, uh, help you in the starting rotation, perhaps. I mm-hmm. mean, there's always like the Julio Tehran's Jose Urania, mm-hmm. um, just kind of running through Michael Pineda, uh, I thought would be maybe somebody that, that could be good. For a uh, for a team, um, Dylan Bundy's a free agent. That's I mean, a, that's a you know, I, I feel like the Baltimore guys always go somewhere else and get better. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 usually the case. I mean, Alex Cobb had a decent enough year, uh, limited action, uh, eight yeah. three three seven six. Yeah. But so, I, I mean, none of these names are like wowing you. But I mean, there's some there's some free agent starters that are out there, mm-hmm. you know, that could help a team. Uh, you know, bullpen options. Uh, do you bring Jake Diekman back if, if he's a free agent? Uh, by the way, the one name I do want actually is uh, that I think would be good 
is that Tyler Anderson, the Phillies unsuccessfully uh, <laughs> traded for at the trade deadline. Right. The one, the one they thought they had. I mean, I don't, I, I, I like him as if he, if he's like your sixth starter, you know, you, you, you sign Anderson and he probably won't be too expensive. And, you know, he went seven and 11 with the four and a half ERA uh, between the, uh, the Mariners and the uh, Pirates last year. But, you know, if he's your sixth starter, you feel better than bullpen games, you know? So sure. I don't know. I feel like there's, I feel like there's, there's some guys, but they're just, they're just kind of guys. Would it be crazy to try to pursue Scherzer? I mean, you bring in Scherzer, you got Scherzer, Wheeler, and Suarez as a top. Three. Maybe I'm, I'm a little too too high on the Suarez train as your three, but I don't see why not after the the, the season he just had. But even if, if you wanted to say Gibby is your three, Suarez is your four, I mean, it's still yeah. that's pretty formidable. And then you were able to replenish uh, a farm by trading trading uh, Noah and maybe getting some prospects there. Yeah, I really wonder what what it would take for uh, for Scherzer to sign. You know, is he going to now? now the cash. Dodgers, by the way, they might give him a deal like they gave uh, Knucklehead, who's suspended. Um, oh yeah, Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer, who is still who's still under contract with. So of course, those were those were player options the next two years, and of course, Trevor Bauer is going to exercise those at this point. But uh, right, so okay, um, let the let the Dodgers do that and then you know at some point they're going to have to put Tra- Dustin May on the block you would think yeah or I mean the, the, Dod- the Dodgers just have spent an obscene amount of money and, and it just makes me wonder if, they'll, if they, they like Scherzer and will bring him back at an obscene amount of money that other teams won't play so pay so right. so who knows I mean there, there's some I think I think he's going to be crafty with trades you know uh, one one name that they were interested in was Byron, Byron Buxton at the trade deadline mm, yeah I mean if the Phillies wanted to add Add somebody like him, they probably have to take a Josh Donaldson back, which if you have a DH next year, um, you know, you don't need to necessarily play Donaldson at third base anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's a worry. Uh, but if if taking him back at you Buxton and you know, then you've you've at least maybe for now you've covered two positions. But you know, you know, I think there's a there's gonna be have to be a lot of creativity out of Dombrowski. And I and I think that what we saw out of him at the trade deadline shows he's willing to be creative. Yes, I think he has the mindset, I hope, that he can rebuild a farm system, make moves, may, again, may not be popular, that still keep the Phillies competitive while also replenishing the farm. I think it's possible. And I that's think Reese Hoskins his- might have to be one of those guys. I mean, I re- Reese, I, I think, I know everybody says, and they're right, that once Reese went down, he, you're, you're, the value really showed. And I think that's a fair statement. He, he has great value as an offensive player, which is good because you can get some return for him and then maybe solidify bringing in another bat who can also play some defense. There were just too many guys on this team who are good hitters, but not great defenders or streaky hitters, you know, whether it was McCutcheon or Didi, they got to get some younger, consistent players in here. Yep. And, and like you said, he's got, I think that's what Dombrowski kind of sold the Phillies to begin with sort of a rebuild on the fly. Like, right. Like there's enough veteran value here that now this year, I, I think he was trying to do it this year, but, uh, but the problem was you had so little wiggle room that, it, I mean, if the Phillies didn't lose Eflin and, and Hoskins, could they have won this division? Possibly. I don't know, but possibly yeah, they certainly would have positioned themselves better to do it. I mean, that, that really, that really could have been what did it. I mean, they just, they just had nobody left to right. replace those two. And, would would uh, they have moved Suarez into the rotation if they didn't lose Eflin? I, 
think they still would have probably once they probably once, still would have. I mean, yeah, because they, they made that decision once that they went through the trade deadline, right, and got the closer Kennedy. I mean, and and if if I mean, who knows? I mean, that's the thing. If if the Phillies had all good starters and, and Suarez was stuck in the say stuck in the bullpen, he would have won them a lot of games that way. He would have. I just don't know that they would have gotten. They would have been putting Eflin out there every five days, but are they getting a good Zach Eflin out there every five days? But if days? they were, if they were, then then Suarez could have done something else. Right. I mean, not that I'm advocating, I would ever advocate him to do anything, but I think starting is the best option. I agree. You know, that's that's where you get the biggest bang for your buck. But, but, uh, but yeah, but who knows? I mean, and, and I think uh, it'd be interesting to see about this non, I wonder if the teams that were affected by not having a waiver trade deadline would, push for it back I, I i really wonder where where that's kind of going um we i didn't hear anybody like talk about it which is the interesting thing but but the phillies the padres in particular those teams needed reinforcements in the face of injury and they just had nowhere to get them right i mean yeah. at one point i tweeted i was willing to see if if uh you know <laughs> todd frazier was available right i mean you know someone <laughs> who just played in the olympics and was great in the olympics like i mean Heck, yeah. even the Rays picked up David Robertson and got something out of him. Yeah, I saw that. How about that? So At I least thought, somebody's gotten something out of David Robertson for the last yeah. uh, over the last two years. Yeah. So 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 yeah, it's a tall task, and and certainly we have an entire off season to talk about it. Unfortunately, we don't have any playoffs to talk about. And no. by the way, this is my this was my sixth season on the radio, and I've been covering non playoff team after non playoff team. It 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 would. I need something. It's been a long right. time. I, mean, what, right? what, I, I thought going into this that, that I would, you know, there'd be a rebuild and then things would be good by now. But and, but that's what the fans thought, too. Right. You know, that yep. they, they would have they would have something more exciting. And well, we are officially now in a in a different decade from the last time that the Phillies made the uh, the playoffs. It, yeah. For Sometimes I sit back and think about that run and it doesn't feel that long ago. You know, I still mm-hmm. remember being on Broad Street with my wife. She was pregnant with our first kid at the time, you know, celebrating and how great it was. And then they go back the next year and they play the Yankees and then they go back the next year and they lose two was at the Cardinals that year, that giant with giants, giants and Cardinals giants and Cardinals. So it was 2008, nine, 10, 11, right? So yep. we are now a decade removed. That's, that's unbelievable. Cause the, it's not just, it's like they, they have not made the playoffs in any of those years. And that's really unfortunate. Yeah. And so, Another offseason upon us. I think I think the reason to be optimistic will end on an optimistic note. Mm-hmm. I think Dave Dombrowski knows what he's doing. I think there's going to be a busy offseason. I mm-hmm. think we'll see some of the fans' favorite players move out the door, as you said. And uh, but I think well, who do you, who do you think? Well, let's end on this. Who do you think is the likeliest marquee name on the Phillies to be moved this offseason? Aaron Noah. You think so? Okay, I do. If you were to rank it, I'm going to give you the four names. Nola, obviously, Nola is number one for you, but Nola, Hoskins, Didi, Segura. I would, I think Nola, Nola could be traded. I think Hoskins could be. I tend to think that he will be back as the designated hitter next year, primarily playing a little bit of first base. Do we know there's going to be a DH? No, but year? we know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, know. Well, I thought that I, this year. I, I would put Segura third and, and Didi. If somebody if he gets moved, it's because somebody uh, lets the Phillies pay most of his salary. But right, I think that I happen. think I think his injury leaves enough doubt that. I mean, who knows? Maybe he'll get lucky. Maybe he'll. You could tell 
you could tell the days that Didi was feeling okay. Mm-hmm. Like I really felt that some of his really good games. So you just you just looked at him and it looked like he felt all right. Right. Uh, but but we'll see what happens with that pseudo gout. Right. I think Reese Reese. I feel like Reese is more likely to be moved because he has some pretty darn good value. Not that Aaron doesn't, and I know pitchers are more in demand, but Reese Reese was having a really good year, and then he got hurt. Now, that's the second year in a row he's been hurt, so that'll hurt him too, but I feel um, that for the fit, it's going to be – unless the look, I think you, you, you make a great point about the DH, and we'll see what happens there. Um, it, it could be like two days before the next season starts that they decide it. So it's kind of tricky on that, but I, I would put it 50, 50 between Nola and, and Reese. All right. We'll end on that note, but we'll be talking all off season. This has been the powder blue podcast, Frank close, Jeff Mosher. We will catch you next time. Let's go.